Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. We are so happy that you could join us for our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week four of our current series, This Changes Everything. And the title of today's message is Made Right with God. We hope you enjoy today's word. Amen. Good morning and how are you doing this beautiful Sunday morning? Come on, give it up for yourselves. You look awesome. Can we give it up for God? All right. I am so happy to have you guys here today. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And today we got a goodie. Anybody like goodies? You like goodies? They say, ooh, ah. Now just remember, you said it was good. You're ready for it. Hey, we've been in a series the last couple of weeks entitled, This Changes Everything. And what we've been looking at is the scriptures because the scriptures are chock full of wisdom but also things that we need to know that really do produce change in our lives. Anybody interested in some change? Right? Some of you are like, nah, I'll pass. I'm good. I'll stay right where I'm at, stuck in the muck like a duck. You know, it's just, just leave me right here. I get it. I've been there too. I'm, I'm, one thing you might not know about me as your pastor is this, that I am a creature of habit. I eat the same breakfast every morning. Two eggs, two pieces of bacon, a cup of coffee, and a seltzer. That's it. I can eat the same breakfast every single day. I eat the same lunch every single day. I can eat the same dinner every single day. I could just stay there. But I've learned along the way that faith, yeah, it calls us to go to another step of faith, right? The Bible says that we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. The reason why I share that with you is because God is about change, and change is a good thing. And so today I'd like to talk to you on a subject that I guarantee you will change your life. And I pray that even now as I'm making the statement that you're leaning in, not just physically, but that you have listening ears to hear. You know, Jesus put it this way. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know what he's saying there? Hearing is a choice. Listening to the truth is a choice. I pray that today you will make that choice to be open to hear the word of God. That all right? All right. Got to tell somebody I'm ready. Tell somebody else I'm ready. Got to tell somebody you ready? Tell somebody else you ready? Because I'm ready. All right. You guys said you're ready. So today we're talking on the subject made right with God. Made right with God. And as we get started here, I want to propose a question to you. Have you ever done something wrong? All right. Man, I didn't realize heaven looked like this building. (laughs) We have arrived, ladies and gentlemen. We are in the holy of holies right now. No, seriously, we've all been there, right? You've done something wrong. But I want you to consider this question. Have you ever done something wrong? only to be declared right in the sight of the person you wronged. I want you to consider that because that's foreign to our understanding. That's foreign to the way of this world. To do something wrong and still be declared right, it just doesn't fit into our rationale into our belief system, into this world's model for what life is supposed to be like. And yet, the scriptures declare something completely different than what we understand. Before we get started, I want to share with you a story 
that kind of kind of digs into this, so to speak. There's a story of two brothers. We'll call them Bill and Bob. And these guys lived side by side in their own farms for many years until one day when tragedy struck. On a crisp fall morning during the hunting season, these two brothers started their day like any other. And while they were sitting there and talking about the day and over a cup of coffee and lively discussion, they started talking about this buck that they had seen, this huge deer. And they were talking about how they were setting their sights on it and who would catch it. And, you know, they've been looking for it for a while. They've caught glimpses of it. And while they're having this conversation, Bill's daughter, a lively child named Annie, she was quick. She was quick-witted. She was quick with, with, with her thinking. She was quick with her actions. She was quick on his feet. She was always on the move, but on this particular day, she did not prove to be quick enough. The way the story goes, uh, later on that day, in, uh, later on that morning, Bob decided to head out in the hopes of netting himself that buck, finally catching that buck. And so he goes out, and after a few hours of sitting in the woods, his heart leapt as he saw his prize, the, the deer, the buck. He thought to himself, how much meat this buck will provide what it would look like mounted on his, on his mantle in his house and what it would be like when he rubbed it in his brother's face, right? And as he began to take aim, he noticed that the deer was suddenly startled by something. It just kind of looked off to the side. Fearing that he'd miss his opportunity, he decides now's the time to take the shot. And so he looks through his scope. He takes one breath, two breaths, three breaths, and just as he's pulling the trigger, the buck takes off. And the one to fall that day was Annie. You see, Annie was trying to give the buck some bread. She was trying to woo the buck towards her. And so many years later, one day, there's a knock at Bill's door. And when he opened it, he was facing an old man, a bearded carpenter, who was holding a toolbox. And the carpenter says to him, I could, sure, I, I could sure use some work, sir. Do you need any repairs in your farm? And Bill replied, yes. I've got a job for you. Across the creek, there's a farm that happens to belong to my brother. And until recently, the whole area between our homes was green. But then he changed the creek's path, making it into a border between us. I'm sure he did that on spite, but I'll show him, said Bill. You, you see those trees by the barn? He says, I want you to turn them into a 10-foot tall fence. I never want to see his face again. The old carpenter, he thought quietly to himself for a moment, and eventually he says, I see. And the farmer helped the carpenter carry the tools and cut down the trees and bring the wood over, and then he drove off to the city to run some errands. And when he came back in the evening, the old carpenter had finished. Upon arriving at the creek, Bill was stunned. His eyes were bulging out of his head. He, could, it, he couldn't utter a single word. You see, where a fence should have been standing, instead, there stood a bridge. A quaint and special bridge. It was truly a work of art with, intricate, with an intricately carved banister. And at the same time, Bob happened to come 
to the same spot. You see, he saw through the window that there was a bridge there, and he runs out, and he rushes over the bridge, and he embraces his brother. And he says, you're something special building a bridge after all I've done. And while both brothers went from looking at each other to hugging each other to crying together to reconciling, the old carpenter collected his tools and he started walking away. And the brothers turned to him and said, please stay for a few more days. We have more things that need fixing. The carpenter replied, I would love to stay, kind sirs. But I have many more bridges to build and things to fix in other places. This story is a depiction of the reality that the world has undergone. Listen, every one of us has made mistakes, makes mistakes. And unfortunately for some, these mistakes, they prove to be a constant source for struggle. Because we don't understand what Christ has done for us. The message of the gospel truly is good news. It provides forgiveness. It releases redemption. It created a path to change. I want you to consider Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. Please be very mindful of this, that I am not giving you my opinion. Please consider this for what it is. It is God's opinion. Not my opinion. God's opinion. Listen to the scriptures. It says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. So at surface level, it sounds like, well, we're going to hear some good news about Christ, for Christ. But I want you to see what this good news about Christ is. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. That simply means the Jewish person and the person who isn't a Jewish person. So that's all of us. Verse 17 says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. I want to leave verse 17 up there, and I want you to consider what the Scriptures declare here. That the good news about Christ is summed up with one thing. I want you to read it for yourself. It says, this good news, this message that God brought to the entire world by the death and the resurrection of Christ, it is all summed up in one thing. It says this, this good news tells us how God makes us right. In his sight. You know, I can end this sermon by simply just saying this one statement, and I'll be done. There is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Your mistakes do not define your integrity and your makeup in the eyes of God, and more importantly, in this world. we got to be careful, because, and the reason why I make that statement is because for some of us, we measure ourselves by ourselves. We look among us, and we go, I don't match up to that person. You know, I ain't got it like they do. I don't look like them. I don't know what they know. I haven't been where they've been. And, and what we do is we draw comparisons 
And what we say, what we, what we conclude is that we're not good enough. That there's something wrong with us. And I want you to see that where it matters most, the kingdom of God declares that God has made us right in his sight. There is nothing wrong with you. You have been made right in his sight. And so you see, the central focus of our faith is the belief that God has made us right in his sight. And we've got to consider this, that what we see here, because of these, this verse and, and the other verses that we're going to look at, we see here that faith in God requires that we also have faith in what he did for us. Let's leave that statement up there. I'll tell you why I want you, want you to consider this point. Because for many people, we believe in God. We believe in God and we believe he's good and we believe he blesses us and we believe he loves us and we believe that he died and he rose again, but we struggle to believe that we're completely righteous. We look at ourselves through a lens of defect. And if you're going to have faith in God, then that faith in God also requires that you have faith in what he's done in you. You have to have faith in what the scriptures declare about you. I don't care what your mother told you. Doesn't matter what people say. Doesn't matter what you think you see in the, in the mirror. Well, it does matter what you think you see in the mirror because it's a lie. But what I'm saying to you is that we should consider this very simple truth. That if we have faith in God, then we must have faith in what the Word of God declares He has done. And according to the Scriptures, it is finished. It is done. You are righteous. You are holy. You're accepted in the Beloved. You are above reproach, the Scripture says. As humans, most of us are naturally bent on perceiving ourselves according to our imperfections and our failures. And the only thing that has power to help us move past this tendency to address this thief that robs us, these lies that steal from us, the only thing that has power is to address that tendency that we lean towards and can change what we see is belief, it's faith and trust in the fact that what God did by Christ is enough to establish us as right in the midst of the wrong that we see. It's enough. You know, this message of the gospel gives us power to change by addressing the very thing that threatens to limit us. And what's that thing that limits us? It's the belief that there is something wrong with us and that we're not good enough. I get it. Yes, we've done wrong. Yes, we've made big mistakes. Yes, we fall short. But God has made you righteous, and because of it, you can live an entirely new life. An entirely new life. Just think about this on a very, in, in, in layman's terms. What you believe is what you do. What you believe is where you go. What you believe determines how you feel. What you believe impacts the choices you make. 
Can you imagine what your life could look like if you were one and done? I mean, it's over with. I'm settled on this. I am righteous. I am holy. I am good enough. I am not a defect. I am not broken goods. I'm not damaged goods. I am all that God. Can you imagine the choices you'd be making? Can you imagine the esteem that you would have? Can you imagine the, 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 the way you would impact this world? Can you imagine how you would approach challenges? Listen, this good news really is good news. I want you to see that this message of the gospel is only for your good. And God wants you to see what's right about you. Don't take my word for it. Listen to the scriptures in Romans 5, 15 through 18. It says this. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. So what we're seeing here in Romans 5 is a contrast that God is he's comparing. He's saying this is what happened because one man, the first man, Adam, sinned. And this is what happens when a second man came in his place, Jesus. So keep that in, in your perspective there. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. Verse 16, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. Simply put, it led to that stinking thinking where we are so focused on where we might fall short that we talk ourselves down. We beat ourselves up. We judge ourselves. And it says, for Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we were guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam, listen, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus Christ, verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. I need to explain this verse to you, these verses to you this way. This is Jesus. See? Jesus. This is sin. This is you. And so what we see in Romans 5 in the verses that we read is it's literally telling us what happened when man fell and why Jesus had to come. So I'll give you a quick rundown. And don't take my word for it. Go back to your Bible. Go check out Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3. In the very beginning of time, God creates man, and he says, I'm going to make them in my image and in my likeness. What does that mean? They're going to be just like me. Everything like me. Equal. Just like me. Not God, but just like me. They'll have my nature. They'll have my character. They'll have my, my, my person. They are just like me. In my image and my likeness. That's you. Genesis 3 recounts the fall of man. And the reason why mankind fell was because of an identity issue. 
The Bible says that Satan comes, and I don't have time to dig into the whole story, so you can check it out on your own. But Satan comes and he says, did God really say that you can't eat of the, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And, 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 then he, and then Eve responds, and she goes, oh, you know, he said we can't touch it or we can't look at it, right? So she's got her, her details all mixed up to begin with. And then all of a sudden, Satan says this. He says, God knows that if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like him, and you will know both good and evil. Let me tell you why that's an important point. Because what happened was Eve and Adam fell for a lie. They were already like God. They already bore his image and his likeness. So they believed this lie. And at that point, the scripture says that sin entered the world. See, sin isn't the things that we do. Sin is a nature. It's a person. It's a being. It's what we are apart from the knowledge of what God has done and faith in the price paid. So we've become sin, right? We can't get around it. Shake it up. You put it in a different bottle, it's still all the same. Sin. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that a second man came. Why is that important? Because God is a just God. And here's what justice declares. If you broke it, you pay for it. Here's the problem. No man could pay for the price of sin. Why? Because we became it. Not good enough can't take something broke to fix something that needs to be made whole. And so God says, ah, I know what I'll do. I love them so much that I can't leave them in that state that I have to come in the form just like them. I have to become a man. The Bible says that when Jesus came in the form of a man and when he died on the cross and he rose again, that what Jesus did was he took sin upon himself. The scriptures declare that he became sin. So what does that mean? All the sin of the world, Jesus takes it upon himself. Right? Jesus takes the sin upon himself. He takes sin upon himself. So sin has been dealt with. There's a drop in there. Let's get rid of that. Sin has been dealt with. It's gone. But man still lives, man apart from Jesus still has this nature in him. So he, he, he dealt with the, the issue of sin. All of a sudden, we begin to hear the good news. And what we begin to believe is, wait a minute. It's not as complicated as I thought. God really does love me and I don't have to do anything to earn it. And I don't have to work my way into being right with God or to feel right with God. So all of a sudden, we get an understanding and we say, I need Jesus. I believe that that was done for me. I believe that I'm accepted by God. And so now we accept Jesus. And I want you to see that sin's been dealt with. So sin's not the issue. So we're going to get rid of this. Now, with that in mind, I want to read to you 
a portion of Scripture. I want you to listen to Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. It says this, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, in other words, if sin has died, the death, if it's been done away the way the Bible says it has in Christ, so that sin died in me. So if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified. It was crucified with him that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. In other words, he's not going to do it again for sin because it's been dealt with. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, this is key, verse 11. And let's leave that up there. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you why that's an important verse. Because what it's saying there is when it says in the same way, it's saying because the same that is true about Jesus is true about you, count yourself dead to sin. Get that thought, get that belief out of your heart that says I am deficient, I'm broken goods, I'm no good, I'm not accepted, I'm not holy. Stop judging yourself according to those areas where you may fall short. You know, I love my family, but I have some family that they just remind me about my past. And you know what I tell them when they say that to me? Wasn't me. Wasn't me. No, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Listen. The fact that Christ is my Lord does not negate the choices I made. It doesn't negate the results that occurred the tragedy, the bridges I burnt, the people I hurt, the many mistakes I made. It doesn't negate any of that. But here's what it does negate. It negates the condemnation, the guilt, and the shame associated with it. Listen, I believe that what Jesus did for you and for me is good enough that you no longer have to live with the shame, with the guilt, with the tragedy, with the hurt. You don't, ha- you don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. You don't, you don't have to live there any longer. I'm going to make a statement that's going to ruffle some feathers here, but you are as right as you'll ever be because God has done away with what was wrong. You are as right as you will ever. Listen, you cannot add anything to what Jesus did. You can't up the ante on it. You can't make it better because you had nothing to do with it. None of us. It's all based upon the goodness of God. Do you realize that this is the good news that Jesus was crucified for? 
The scripture says that he declared that he was the son of God. And the, and the scriptures talk about how because, because he declared that he was the son of God, he was declaring that he was equal to God. Listen to this. The fact that you are forgiven and accepted and righteous and holy in God's eyes, in God's eyes declares this, that you are as right as you will ever be. You don't have to be more right than where you are now. Here's what needs to happen, though. Here's where we think, well, I got to do this for God. I got to do this. No, 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 no. You got to sink into this truth and let it begin to change your belief system. Let me tell you something, religion won't tell you this. Religion won't teach you this. And, it, and you certainly can't get this just anywhere. Only God can give you this. Only God can open your eyes and reveal to you, you're right with me. And get this, not only are you right with God, that you are right in this world. Now, maybe just maybe for some of us, we, we still, we're still holding on to some shame and some guilt. Let me ask you a question. How's that working for you? How's it working for you? I want you to see the solution. This message is wrapped up in this simple truth that you have been made right in his sight. Listen to Galatians 2.16. It says, yet we know that a person is made right, watch this, with God by faith. Does it say by how they dress? Does it say by how much they read the Bible? Does it say by how many prayers they say in a day? Does it say by how good they behave? Does it, does, does, does it talk about the great sacrifices they make for God? None of those things. Listen closely. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. What Jesus did is good enough, not by obeying the law. It's talking about religion there. And yet we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because, our faith, because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God. By obeying the law. You know what this reveals to us? I believe I said this already, but I'll say it again. What is true of Jesus is now true of you. It's true of you. It's absolutely true of you. 100%. You can't change it. And in light of these verses... We see what God sees, but the power in these verses can only come to full circle if we see it and believe it for ourselves. You know what my hope and my prayer is today? That you would simply take the truth revealed in God's word. And that you would allow that to penetrate your belief, to penetrate what you've been conditioned to, to penetrate your experience with prior experiences with, with, with religion or anything that was a semblance of God. My prayer is that you would see how truly valuable and good you are 
And that as you, as you dive into that and, and your belief grows roots into that, that you will begin to break away from everything that's holding you back. Your past, what people did to you, what you've done. You know, I, I, I wish I could say that I grew up in a, in a household that was peaches and cream. My house was hell. My house was hell. My mother raised six of us by herself. There was a stepfather who was a part of the picture at some point. He was an alcoholic. He was abusive. Verbally, physically. I was having fist fights at the age of eight years old with a 35-year-old man. Bloody nose and everything, and it was just like, you you couldn't get me away from this guy. I wanted to kill him. It was bad. The anger, the hate, the anxiety, the, 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 the tension that we lived in, the drama. And then there was, in the midst of that, there was, my mom was always working to support the household. So she was never home. So I grew up on the streets. And I made a whole lot more mistakes there. More than I care to ever share. And in the midst of that, I grew up with this, this belief I'm no good. And I lived that way. I did no good. I didn't seek any good. Everything was bad. And then all of a sudden, many years later, and mind you, I was even going to church. Oh, I played the part. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mi alma te alaba. Señor. Right? All that. Tambourines and all that crazy stuff, right? I mean, I was hardcore when I was there. But there was this constant tension that was driven by erroneous belief. And in my mind, and what I was taught was, you repent, you turn around, you change yourself, and God will accept you, and God will love you, and you'll be back in relationship with him. So every, every week, I was on my way to hell. I believed that. And there came a point where I believed I'm going to hell, so I might as well burn for the rest of my life. And I burnt relationships. I burnt, I mean, it was just bad. And the reason why that happened was because of erroneous belief. But then there came a point where I began to understand for myself You got you to realize, when I came back to church as an adult, I, I made the decision. I, I didn't want to go. You know, you know what got me there? Well, you and me going to be anything. You're going to go to church. So I made excuses for a while, and then eventually we went to church. And But get this. I made a decision when I started going to church, and I said, I will never again just go by what somebody tells me. I got to see this for myself. And I'm not going to say that it was all together. There was some erroneous teaching there. But I started digging. And in the midst of that, I began to realize some things all these years later. 
there was nothing wrong with me. That what was wrong was my belief. That I was believing something about God that wasn't true. And I was believing something about myself that was even a bigger lie. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, I say all that because I lived with that trauma for many years. I lived with that trauma. You have no idea where my thoughts went when it came to my, to, to, to my stepfather. You have no idea what I, was, what, what I was capable of. I lived with that. And I grew up into adulthood and, and, and you know, I, I, I went to work and I tried to do the right thing and I was going to church. But those things were still there, man. And that, those feelings and those, that, those beliefs were still real. And the only thing that can undo the trauma, the only thing that can undo the weights that we carry, the only thing that can break the chains in our lives is to see the truth for ourselves. Listen, you know why I don't look back at my past? You know why I don't get into details about my past? Because that's not my testimony. My testimony is what Christ has done for me and for the entire world. And I am free. I'm free. I am free. I am free. I don't hate anymore. I don't, I'm not hurting anymore. I hold no, no, no vindictive. There's no vindictive streak in me. There's no desire to, to, to retaliate. There's no, there's no anger. There's none of that is there. And so when I tell you that I look back and I go, it wasn't me. I can't relate to my past because I'm, I no longer believe according to what I believed. I'm free. And here's the, here's the better news. You can be free too. For the next six minutes that I'm going to take, because I'm over my time, I want to just quickly go into a story that we can pull some, some, some things out that relate to this point that can help us to move on and, and really just accept what the Word of God says. The book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 22 through 26, starting at verse 22, it says, When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? And the man looked around and, yes, he said, I see people, but I can see them. I, I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open, and his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. And Jesus sent them away, and sa saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. I want us to see just something simple here. We're talking about we've been made right with God. There's something that God has done. And, and in some ways, I think that where this man was applies to us. You see, this guy was lacking sight. He couldn't see. He depended on what life felt like and where people led him. That's what I was. 
I lived life based on emotions. I lived life based on what people said was good, was right. And I got disastrous results. But the Bible says specifically that this man was brought to Jesus by a group of people from a place called Bethsaida. Bethsaida was a place that was known for great unbelief. These people, when they saw Jesus or when they were in the the midst of Jesus to hear him, they weren't seeking the truth. They were seeking bread. They were seeking to see miracles. They were seeking to, ooh, ah, look what he did. Can it be true? But there was no, there was no belief in them. And so the Bible says clearly that they bring this man to Jesus so that he could heal him. In other words, do something cool, Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus takes this man out of Bethsaida. He takes him out of this place of unbelief. And I want to say this to you as it relates to what we're talking about today, that to enjoy right standing with God, to live with that confidence, you must leave the place of unbelief. You can't stay there anymore. Daily, you have to remind yourself, I'm all right. I'm that good. Nothing's changed since yesterday. Not even the bomb that I just dropped as I stubbed my toe. Not even the anger that I expressed in the midst of an argument with my spouse. Not even the wrong thinking. None of that can change what God has done. If it could, then guess what? Jesus didn't pay enough. But he did pay enough, more than enough. And so I want you to ask yourself, what is that thing? What is that thing that stops you from taking a hold of the belief that you are right with God, that you are righteous? What is that thing that stops you from taking that next step and living free? What is that thing that stops you from breaking away from condemnation and guilt and shame? What is it? And wherever you pinpoint that, I want you to see that at the root of it is a lie. Because we just heard the truth. You're all right. Now, here's what you heard. Oh, it's all right. No, 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 no. You are all, 100%, head to toe, completely, inside and out. You are right. You are righteous. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10 says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Translation, here's what it means, layman's terms. The same way you believed in what Jesus Christ did, that you believed that he died and he rose again to do away with sin, continue in that because that's the way you follow him. In other words, don't leave that truth. Stick with it. Watch this, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. 
Watch this. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head of every ruler and authority. That word complete there means to be full, to be rendered perfect, to, fill, to be filled to the top, to abound, to overexceed. But something has to happen and continue in order for us to live in this completeness. Verse 7 says that we must let our roots grow down into him and let our lives be built on him. You know, a couple of years back I came across an article. I'm sort of a geek. And I was, uh, I don't know, it was National Geographic or something, whatever it was. And I was reading about, of all things, Chinese bamboo. Do you know that Chinese bamboo is actually a form of grass? Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's a pretty cool fact, anyway. For me. Excusez-moi. Right. But what, in, what, what stuck with me about that article was that they say that the, the Chinese bamboo farmer, he sows the seed, he prepares the ground, he sows the seed, and he nurtures it. He waters it, and, you know, there's light and all that. But watch this. For four years, nothing happens, or so it seems. Not even a blade comes up out the ground for four years. But the wise farmer, the wise Chinese bamboo farmer, here's what he does. He nurtures it. He waters it because he knows what's happening underneath. Come year five, like clockwork, watch what happens. Per day, the bamboo grows up to four feet a day. He begins to reap a harvest, and it comes up quickly. And they grow so tall, they can grow up to 90 feet, they say, this Chinese bamboo. But for four years, it looks like nothing is happening, but he doesn't fret. Why? Because he knows the truth that lies underneath. Ladies and gentlemen, listen closely. Listen closely. You can't miss this point. You can't miss this. We're talking about you got to leave this place of unbelief. You cannot measure what God has done based upon what you look like, what you feel, what you're told, what the circumstances dictate. You are righteous and you are holy and you must hold fast to that. And as you grow roots into that, listen, your time is coming. Your freedom is here. Listen, the chains are breaking. Circumstances are turning around. You will feel different. You will think different. You will look different. You will choose different because the truth is this, that what God has done is more than enough. And so grow your roots deep into this truth and trust God's process. Look, I haven't arrived, but I'll tell you this, I have left. So have you. So have you. So have you. So of you. Second point I want to leave you with as we close out here is that to enjoy right standing with God, you must see as God sees. This guy, Jesus comes and Jesus spits in his eyes. I'm sure that at some point I've, I've touched on this point in particular here, but I'll say it just so that we're all in, 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 in union in, in our understanding with this. Jesus 
the Bible says, they bring this blind man to him. He takes him out of the place of unbelief and he spits in his eye. Back in those days, when you spit at someone, it was the equivalent of proclaiming a curse. So get, get, get what's happening here. This guy's blind and Jesus says, I curse that blindness because I didn't create you to be blind. That's not my plan for your life. And so he prays, he spits in his eyes, he prays, and the Bible says that he says to the guy, what do you see? And he goes, I think it's people. They look like trees. I can't see clearly. And the Bible says that Jesus prays again. But I want you to see why he prays again. Because Jesus wants him to see what he sees. He wants him to see clearly as he sees. And the reason why that's important is because you got to understand that when it comes to your right standing, your righteousness in Christ, God wants you to see as he sees. We got to see what God sees, not see according to what we feel. Proverbs 2, 3 through 9 says this, cry out for insight. That word insight there simply means seeing it from another vantage point, according to another's knowledge. So it says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. That means to reverence God. And you will gain knowledge of God for the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. And then you will understand what is right and just and fair. And you will find the right way to go. I want you to see that when we see the things that God sees, when we see as God sees them, it produces understanding and it leads us to the right way. Ask God to help you. Today, I believe that there are some of us here that our eyes are being opened. Something is shifting in our belief. And that's important because as we close here, the Bible says that Jesus says to this man, go home, but don't stop in Bethsaida. Don't stop there. And the reason why he says that is because you can't go back after you've seen what God has shown you. See, to enjoy right standing with God, you cannot go back. I'll tell you why. Because that was the place of your blindness. That was where you believed Less than God's best about yourself. That's where your struggles came out of. That's where your hurt created more pain. That's where your freedom was lacking. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18 says this as we end. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Let's stand here. Watch what it says. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? 
What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, at surface level, here's what some of us heard when we heard that. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I can't be around unbelievers. That's the church I went to, by the way. That's what we were taught. Come out from among thee. Come come out from among them and be holy as he is holy. And so we looked down on people and we believed we were the only ones going to heaven. And we were all on our way to hell. But get this. The script, the key to understanding what God is saying there is the very first verse in verse 14. You can put that up, please. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. We have to understand what a yoke is. A yoke is used to train animals. You, you pair an older one with a younger one. The older one knows the pace, knows the process, knows what it takes. The younger one is in a rush, wants to just get it done. It's pushing, it's breathing, it's pulling, it's moaning, it's groaning. And the stronger older one just continues at the steady pace. Listen to what the scripture is saying when it says do not be yoked together with unbelievers in this regard. What it's saying is don't yoke yourself with anyone who will convince you and train you apart, uh, 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 contrary to the truth that God's word reveals. Listen, we are the light of the world. You should be amongst unbelievers. But the moment you yoke yourself to something that draws you away... From this right standing that you have with God, I want to encourage you to wake up and run. You can't go back. You can't go back. You can't. To go back is to believe a lie. God didn't create you for that. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you say in your word that what you did by Christ has made us righteous and right in your sight. Today, Father, I thank you because in the hearing of your word, Lord, there is freedom. There is revelation. Lord, we we now believe and we see the truth that the same thing that is true about Jesus is true about us. That just as Jesus is holy and at the right hand of the Father, so are we holy and accepted and at the right hand of the Father. That when the scripture says that we are seated in heavenly places, Lord, while we live in this world, we now understand why we're not of this world. Because everything that you've done is complete. Right here, right now, it's very possible there's someone here. Man, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've heard the scriptures. But today, for the first time, you're seeing what this gospel really is. And you're believing. And you're saying, God did that for me. If you believe that today, if you believe that you are that valuable to God, that he would die, take your place, die, pay the penalty for sin, and rise again so that you and I could rise, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer that acknowledges and accepts the price paid. Pray this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you love me and you paid the price for me. 
I believe that sin is no longer my issue. I believe that what you did is good enough to give me a new life. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you're the son of God. And from this day forward, I declare you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my God. And I'm right with you. And because of it, I am free. Come on now. We're celebrating life change right here. God has done some amazing things. Living your right standing with God. Now, Father, we thank you for all you've done in Jesus. We celebrate the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Hey, friends and family. Thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.